I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today, I am bringing on Suzette Smith, a woman who has changed my life and the lives of so many close friends and family members. She has helped me make changes in my life to better my health, She made me see I have big things in my future that are so exciting. She gave me a sense of peace and knowing I am on my path and the path I have chosen to be on in this life. It's the choices we make in this human experience that can alter our experiences, but what she has confirmed even more is everything is always perfect and working out for our greatest good. She is a woman who has an intuitive gift to help people access the wisdom and loving guidance that surrounds them. Her gift is providing what she calls intuitive guidance, a far-reaching term for all that she does to enrich the lives of her clients. She communicates freely with the angelic spectrum, spirit guides, and loved ones who have crossed over, both human friends and family, as well as animals. By helping people to connect with the energies of their higher selves, their spirit guides and angels, and past life experience, a loving space is created for them to release old emotional blocks and traumas. Through intuitive guidance, Suzette also addresses health concerns such as allergies, emotional reasons for dis-ease, imbalanced energy and blockages within the physical system. She helps people adjust their physical routines and processes in ways that can ease distress and physical discomfort. One of Suzette's greatest joys is being able to teach people how to access their own intuitive knowing. Suzette's warm, compassionate spirit offers great comfort, while her finely honest, intuitive skills present a powerful and transformative experience. We spend our lives searching for love, healing, and for answers to life's most troublesome questions. What joy it is to discover that these answers are always within us. Suzette's philosophy is to be able to provide information which is actionable and supportive with a focus on helping people find their own truths and answers. To some of you, this may sound a little out there, and you might question a few things, but trust my intuition and the path that led me to this incredibly gifted woman and see the magic she brings today on this episode So without further ado, please welcome Suzette Smith to the show. Hi, thank you for a wonderful introduction. That was very nice. Oh, you're so welcome. And I thank you for being here and changing my life and changing my, I mean, I can go on down the line that I've known (laughs) who you've changed and it's kind of a ripple effect. It's interesting 
because once I experienced you and had sent your information to many people, it's like, then they're sending it to their friends because they can't <laughs> believe it. And just you're just a <clears throat> sense of, it kind of just makes your life more calm. For me anyway, it made my life more calm. I changed a lot of things in my health since then. And oh, I've, it's just changed my life. So thank you. And so grateful that you're here. Well, how kind. Thank you. And this is how it's been for 18 years. When I started my business 18 years ago, Spirit told me I would never need to advertise. And it was it was right. I've never advertised. I just do what I do. I am who I am. And it has been that ripple effect. And I'm glad because I'm terrible at marketing myself and, you know, making a brand or whatever that just never resonated with me and it didn't have to. So yay. <laughs> right. Yay is right. How, how much, what more could you ask for? Right. Exactly. And I appreciate what you said about helping people change. And I still believe you know, the same thing I believed 18 years ago is that when people seek me out, they want to change. Um, I am not forcing anything on somebody who's not ready. By the time they find me, they are ready. <laughs> right. Totally. I agree 100%. But I want to take it back to when I remember, I think you were eight years old when you had your near-death experience or you had some high fever and you went to the hospital. Could you kind of start there where you started accessing this intuitive guidance that you've have in your being? <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. So when I was eight years old, I did, I had a lot of high fevers when I was a kid, but that was in the sixties and people weren't taking their kids to the emergency room very often. So you just kind of wrote it out at home and doctors still made house calls. So when that happened to me in 1969, the doctor made a house call to my house and what I remember is like just like popping out of my body. It was so easy just to boop and be out. And I remember being up in the corner of my bedroom. I could see the dust on the top of the closet doors. And I was looking down at my body in the canopy bed. And the doctor who had come to the house was kind of like sitting on the edge of the bed with a stethoscope. And I remember him like moving the stethoscope around my chest to listen. And my mother was standing at the end of the bed and it was like three o'clock in the afternoon and the light was coming through. And I saw that I had no emotion about it. It was just an observation. Oh, there's my body. I was not upset. I was, I was not in pain. I just witnessed it like there it is. And then shortly after I acknowledged that, yes, I'm out of my body, then a couple of what I call my spirit guides show up. Two of them showed up and they were like angelic type beings. They were not like, you know, a grandmother or somebody that I'd known and in a lifetime, they were just completely different beings. And they took my hands, like one took one hand and the other took the other hand. And we left the house and we went up and away from the house. And I was not upset about it at all. And they just took me on this little journey and were kind of like talking to me saying, it's your choice if you want to go back. It's your choice if you want to come with us. 
if you choose to go back, you're going to have a life of helping people. And they told me specifically that around my age of 40 years old, that's when I would start helping people. Well, to an eight-year-old, 40 sounds like ancient. I couldn't imagine being that old lady. But um, obviously, at some point, I, I chose to come back into my body. They brought me back. And then I was right back into my body in the bed. And in earth time, that all only took a couple seconds because I remember the doctor saying, oh, here she is. And so the time that I was with these angel guides felt like years. It just just went on and on and on. But in earth time, it was just a moment. And then I was back in my body, and a few days later, the fever lifted, and I might have had some antibiotics or whatever it was. And after that, that's when I just started, like, knowing things about people or animals. Um, It was not well-received in my home. It was a source of uh, scary judgment, you know, it's like, ooh, we shouldn't talk about that. And so I stopped talking about it. But your mom, I remember thinking, tell me about your mom, because you were raised with a mom that was very religious, right? Well, she got in, she was Catholic. Yes, yes. And And, um, very judgmental about, you know, heaven and hell and the devil. And, you know, we have to watch out for Satan because he can trick us. A lot of stories about how we had to really mind our P's and Q's or the devil's going to come snatch us up. Hmm. So you had to just go along with her and just kind of nod your head. <laughs> okay, mom. Yeah, even though I knew it was baloney, I mean, I knew that she was just coming from a place of fear. She wasn't telling me the truth. And I knew all of that at eight years old. Wow. But, you know, you're eight. And so you still got to go and sit in the pew and listen to the sermons and watch her cry. And and it was very challenging because I knew none of it was real for me. I'm sure it was meaningful for other people, but just not for me. So during the eight, between eight years old and 40, you're basically kind of holding it in. (laughs) Yes. In high school, I was kind of known for counseling people who were having troubles, like, you know, high school kids have love dramas and and all of that. And so at the lunch table, I was kind of basically counseling a series of kids during lunch hour. And a kid would sit down and start crying about something. And I would just start saying stuff and then they would be okay. And so I earned myself the nickname of Dear Abby, which was a newspaper column back in the day, an advice column. And that's where I got my little nickname of that. And I did that for a while. I didn't have a lot of friend friends, but I had a lot of kids who would just like start telling me their problems from home. Huh. Because you you were like open or they just were drawn to you? Did you like attract them from how you were being? I guess so. I guess I just had that face or that personality that I guess I was open and they didn't have anybody else to talk to. And that's been true my whole life. Adults always have just told me stuff. You know, they just start talking to me. A friend's mom started telling me about, you know, I think I'm going to have to get a divorce. You know, I was was 12 years old and she was telling me about her worries about getting a divorce. 
So I was kind of tuned for this. And then also in high school, they used to give the aptitude tests, which were supposed to predict which career direction you would be good in. And my aptitude came back as I was either going to be a counselor or a priest. And basically, that's what I am. I mean, I'm a spiritual counselor. Oh, I love that. Huh, interesting. Yeah, so uh, back in high school, you know, everybody telling problems and stuff, I was good at keeping secrets. I didn't gossip. I had compassion. So that's kind of where I learned what I do was way back then. Huh, so now we're 40. So you've gotten through <laughs> high school. You had some jobs, I assume. You got <laughs> yep, married. Just living a regular life, kind of put all of that on the back burner. And then a very good friend of mine was at that time teaching a course in something called remote viewing, which is a way to access intuitive information. And he invited me to come take the weekend course. I knew nothing about it. I had no idea what it was. And just out of the blue, he called me up and he said, hey, I think you need to come sit in on this course. And so I said, okay, and I went, I was the only female in that workshop. Remote viewing is often usually done by men. In the past was used by military to kind of do some spying on other things that were going on through using intuitive means. Of course, I had no interest in any of that. And so I took the weekend course and that kind of just blew open some door in my brain and information just started pouring in. Huh. And, you know, and I don't really advise anybody to look up remote viewing because it is very technical. It is very geared towards like a science approach to intuition. Mm -hmm. It's mostly male dominated. So there's no empathy. There's no compassion. It's just data gathering. It's fact gathering. And I took that foundation and turned it into something that was more like a a reading, but I can teach it. Right. Didn't you work at a doctor's office and you were giving doctors like you could see through their bodies and they weren't believing you? (laughs) I was working at a chiropractor's office and when the clients would come in, there was like this little clipboard where they would have to sign in their names and I would look at their signature and from their signature, I knew what was really wrong with them. And I kind of tried to say things like, gee, you know, I know this person's neck is hurting, but it's really this other thing. And Mm -hmm. that wasn't welcome. So that was kind of like I was right back to my childhood home of, listen, don't say what you know. And so I learned to keep my mouth shut there. And then eventually that was where I took the course in remote viewing I gave a session to somebody who also worked at the chiropractor's office. She told about 20 friends that she knew, and that was the beginning of my business. Huh. And were you 40 then? I was 41. Oh, my gosh. So in your mind, when you were eight and had that message that you were going to be 40, were you just kind of waiting to, be, to let it out, knew that something was going to be when you were turned 40? Or you know, you to tell you that? the truth, I kind of forgot about it because oh, okay. it's... 
it seems so far away. I didn't write it down. I didn't, you know, oh, focus counting the days, nothing like that. I just, I remembered it, obviously. And then the closer I got to 40, it seemed like something started just waking up. And then the course that I took, and then that's, it just all went on from there. So there was a reason why I came back in my body that day was to do this. Huh. You know, when you see when I was, I'm going to stay on the medical part, the health part of, since we were at the chiropractor's office, when you, that was interesting to me because when we had our session, you really pulled things out that were things that I was kind of, I really look at that intuitive part of my life right now. I'm really in tune to that. And when you brought these things up, I was like, gosh, I already did that. And I've been thinking that's probably not good to eat or, you know, whatever. What do you like explain to me and explain to my listeners, like when you see the health thing in the body or, I mean, you saw it on her hand, on her signature, you're just getting the energy. Yeah, it's so it's basically energy. So how I explain it is in order for my guides or spirit to work through me, I had to put a certain like a substrate or a framework into my brain. So I studied graphology, which is the study of handwriting analysis. I studied palmistry, which is studying the lines on the palm as they relate to the brain function. I I memorized medical charts. I looked at all symptoms. I put all of this information into my head. And then once that was all in my head, it was like spirit started using that to say, okay, through this method, we can tell you that this is going on. If I had never put those things in my head, there would be nothing to work with. Ah, okay. So this is why, you know, I can't speak Chinese because I never put that language into my head. Maybe if I did, I could channel Chinese information for somebody, but I never put that in. Right. So you mean, I know we all have it in us. We're all born with that same capability, right? Yes, I believe so. Right. But you decided to, I mean, besides when you were eight and that happened, but you decided that it was in you that you wanted to learn all these things. Do you think that was just part of your life plan, like your path that you were put here to do? And it was just a drawing you there? Like all these little classes were like, coming to you because it was your path and you were listening to your intuition? Yeah, I think my higher self was guiding it in, right? So I don't remember actively seeking something. It would just like present itself to me. Like I'd be in a bookstore and over, you know, just kind of feel like, huh, this is an interesting metaphysical section. What's this all about? And then a book would fall off the shelf or a book would be sitting on the bench just there. And I would sit down and start looking through the book. I really feel like whether it was my higher self or an angel presence. It was like they were going ahead of me, leaving clues for me to follow. Of course, I have free will, just like all of us. I could have looked at that book and go, eh, that's no good, and go on to some other section of the bookstore. But as it was, it was intriguing. I bought the book, brought it home, memorized it, filed it away, and then later, years later, all of that information became relevant. Hmm. You know, a lot of people don't follow those clues. They don't have an awareness, I guess is my word. And they live life on this like one 
railroad <laughs> and <laughs> they just go, they think that's how it's supposed to be. And right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like being asleep in your life. And that's what most people are. They're sleepwalking through their lives and then there's those who are waking up and the people who are waking up and more and more are waking up, they're following the signs. They're following the clues, which are everywhere. Right. I always tell Don't have to look far. <laughs> no. And I always, I always, I teach my girls, they're 11 and 14, you know, you got to look up, you got to raise your vibration. You got to, there's magic because it's uncover your magic. And I just kind of use that word to describe life. Like there's magic everywhere. Every moment of your day, there's magic, but you need to look, it's there. You cannot be living in this like blindfolded, you know, or you, you have your blinders on life and realize like life is just this, a gift, you know, this is a gift. Like, what are you going to do? Well, it's so true. And, and not a lot of people believe that, you know, like my mother believed that life was misery. She was very tuned into martyrdom and suffering. And that that's why we're here for whatever reason was to suffer. And I did not believe that ever. Mm-hmm. So I considered her like sleepwalking in her life in that she wasn't looking for clues for positivity or magic. She was looking for more signs that validated her belief that life was misery. Right. No, you know, I know you believe in afterlife and, or we come back like past lives afterlife. And so going to that level of your mom or people that are similar, and there's plenty of that. Do you feel like they're on a different trajectory of life when they come to this, in this place and other people are, you know, that third dimension, fifth dimension hold those kind of little things. Is that what, do you view people that look at life in that way? as maybe they haven't experienced enough and they're still going through that process to get to that place, to start believing and start looking for the magic and being positive and knowing that life is always working for you and not to you? Well, yes, and and reincarnation. And so when we say old soul, young soul, or new soul, I think all souls come from the same creative well. Basically, we're all the same age because we all come from the same source. When we say old soul, young soul, we may be talking about Earth experience, how many times someone has reincarnated on Earth, which to me is like a boarding school. This isn't our home. This is someplace we come to learn while in dense physical matter. So if you think of it like a boarding school, kindergarten through graduate school, and you have all of these souls coming in, some it's the first time. So they're in the kindergarten class. Some it's the 10,000th time and they're in the graduate program. So we're all in the mix together, influencing and mirroring and somehow working together. Mm-hmm. And people that, like your mom, do you feel like you chose each other before you came so you could teach her and she could teach you that kind of, is that, do you believe that? 
I really do. I re- there was no accident whatsoever. I know I chose her. I know she chose me. And she was the launching pad for what I do. I, mean, I learned to read energy from reading her moods, which were volatile and emotional and could, did hair trigger. And I could feel it three rooms away when her mood was turning. I didn't even have to hear anything. And that was the beginning of my education of reading energy. Hmm. And you were raised with a dad too, right? Was he in the same mindset as her? No, he didn't really think about any of these things. He was, he was not part of really anything. She drove the, the household with her emotions. And I think mostly he was just there to keep things like from totally falling apart. And, you know, he like, why don't you go to your room now? And just a suggestion for me to get out of the room. And I followed what he said. I knew he was trying to protect me, but he was not a main influencer in my life. I think we were kind of there just working off of my mother. Huh. And so we all pick our family. We've been together before and we all decide to come back and be here in this, uh, whatever school, <laughs> what do you call it? <laughs> we're in a, like a boarding school, a boarding we, school. We boarding school. overnight. <laughs> we're, we're spending we're, nights at school. <laughs> right. And so we all decide to come to learn these lessons during this time in boarding school, and then it's time to move on to go to the higher source, heaven, or, you know, the next level of life or being. And then we decide again, okay, we're getting ready to learn again. We come together, decide, you know, I'm going to be the mom, you're going to be the, that kind of thing. Well, yes. And we tend to incarnate with souls that we really learn well with. So this is why you have familiarity with certain souls is that you just, you love traveling together. You love coming to the boarding school together. You incarnate together because it's so much fun to learn together. So, and and that's, even if it looks like it's a challenge, like I had a challenging mother, but she was my my first teacher for what I do now. Yeah. You know, I wasn't happy about it while it was happening. It was a rough ride, but I made it into something that works for me, hopefully helps others. So it all worked out in the end, right? The end justifies the means I hope. (laughs) Right. Right. When people come and have, you know, there's kids that are born with abnormalities or, you know, different things, cancer, and they come and they've chose that, something to have wrong, right? So they can go and learn that lesson. Yes. And many people ask, that's that's a common question. Why would anybody choose to be born blind? Why would somebody be choose to have, you know, a leg amputated or to have an assault happen in a parking lot? I would never choose that. But in spiritual terms, everything that happens creates a moment of learning for ourselves, for the people around us, our families, the people who love us. Everyone learns from everybody's situation. Right. And that if we can see it as lessons rather than tragedies, 
And this is a big part of what I do is because our words carry so much magic, we have to be careful about the spells we cast with our words. Mm -hmm. So when somebody says, you know, my mom had her leg amputated and it was, it's a tragedy. That's my cue to come in and say, well, can we think of another word for that so that we don't keep broadcasting negativity into the lesson? Right. Um, So about that. I love right, and some people get it right away. It's like, oh, I'd never thought of it that way. And other people are going, nope, it's a tragedy. Goodbye, yeah. and that's okay. Well, then we're not quite ready to go any further with that. Bless you. Right, right. <laughs> when you pick, like, let's say you pick this. You know, my sister had a reading with you a couple days ago or a week ago, and you know, she just got a divorce. She picked this narcissistic uh, man to marry, and you know, and. It was a struggle, but she picked that person, even though she, it was terrible, but that was her, they decided they really learned well together. Their souls did. So when we're in spirit form, it's all very clear what we're going to be doing. It's all crystal clear why we would choose these situations, what the soul wants to learn to kind of fill out the dance card for everything we've been working on for all of these incarnations. So when we come down into the dense physical matter of a human body, there's something called a veil. The veil comes across what we know in spirit and we forget. We forget that this was for a purpose. And then we start getting into the belief system that this is terrible. This is awful. This is hard. In spirit form, it was all going to be a grand experimental lesson. Mm Mm-hmm. In human form, we're kind of subject to belief systems of, oh, he did that. He's a terrible person. You should hate him. And that's what we're trying to clear from the collective thought is what if it's not terrible at all? What if you're supposed to assess something and learn about yourself through it? Right. That's awakening. Yes. And I feel like for some reason, this 2020 is an awakening for a lot of people. I feel like it's this, you know, turning point. We're living in this time right now for a reason. We've all chosen to be here. But how do you view this whole 2020? So there's there's an astrological attribute to what's happening right now. Astrologers predicted a major turn of events this year because every 19 years something happens. It's like a prompt for humanity to awaken. The last time this particular astrological configuration was here was in 2001 around September 11th. So it happens every 19 years. In 19 years from now, it will happen again. It may not be a virus, but something will happen that affects all of humanity and prompts a wake-up. Right. So we've been getting these prompts always. This has been going on since Earth was formed. Right. And so when we're in it, which we are right now, we now have more awakened people than we did back in 2001. So we've got people kind of coming out from the sleep of just going along with whatever we're told, believing whatever we hear. Now you have people, you know, standing up like a revolution, like, I want to think for myself. Well, that was the point of it all. Hmm. Yes, I love that. 
Because I see, and we are right. Yes, yes, and especially women. And and you've noticed through this current administration, the past four years, women in particular have awoken and claimed their power and their voice. And they were asleep, you know, in the patriarchy, basically. Right. And then we got somebody in office who made everyone so angry that they woke up. Right. And that was the point. It wasn't that somebody was a bad person, although I know a lot of people will argue with me on that. But what if he was just a soul who was here to inspire an awakening? Right. I look at it that way because I think, you know, the judgment, you know, humans and, you know, we're just we judge and we label and we, you know, we have all the our ego and all these things that are human. But if you really look at everybody is here as a soul, we're all the same. We're all one and we're all here for a certain reason. And we're all here to, for a purpose. We all have a purpose. And if everyone could look at it that way and just accept it as all good. I mean, that's where I hope the world is coming. I mean, one day maybe, right? Yes. Well, there has to be a process of that. And when we first wake up, think of a teenager being awakened. And the first thing is they resist. They're angry. They don't want to wake up. They're pissed off, probably hungry, irritable. So we go through these awakening stages. And one of the first ones is anger at being awakened. Mm -hmm. And then we've been awake for a little while. And now it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going about my day. I can see that a little bit differently. So there is a process. And for those just waking up, we have to be very gentle because they usually go through that anger first phase of being woken up when they think they didn't want to be. Right. So when that person, the person that's just now awakening, or maybe the ones like your mom was like, isn't really there even close to being awakened when they end up passing away, and they still haven't been awakened. Does their soul just crave that awakening and they want to come back and get further into that? Most do. So that's the point. That was the human experience was could we wake up while in this carbon-based body that is basically designed to be asleep? and be in survival mode. This was the experiment. Could we wake up and recognize our divinity while still in this form? Mm -hmm. So that's been what we've been working on for a million years. And so when someone like my mother, who had no interest in awakening, passed, it was kind of like she, uh, as much as I can gather, because she has not come to visit me since she's passed. My dad has, but I have not received any messages or prompts from that soul. And she's been gone for over a year. I haven't had thing one. I mean, I hear from my dad frequently, don't hear from her. But what I gathered just in tuning into the spirit nature of it was she went to something that was almost kind of like a recovery room or someplace where she could assess what it was she was doing here on earth. I believe that she'll want to come back and try it again. I think most souls like it. Even when people say, I'm never coming back here again. This was hard work. I don't want to ever do this. Everybody says that and everybody comes back. Huh. 
Now, it might be a hundred years before she comes back. She might not want to come back right away into this current family. But I, I really believe that she had something that she wanted to accomplish here. And, yeah, maybe we'll see her again. I don't know. Huh. When you feel like you've, when we had our session, you saw my dad and you felt like when he passed away 14 years ago and he's still here, he still wants to be with you and your sisters. He's not ready to go on to the next. How do you see that separation? So if you think of all of us as having free will, even when we're out of physical form, we have free will to decide, hey, do I want to hang out here a little bit longer and, and check in on the people I love and help and be a spirit guide? Or do I want to get as far away from this place as I can? That's a free will decision that all souls have. So some decide they're fed up with Earth. They're getting out of here. They're going to some other planet or galaxy or whatever happens. Others are so in love with their life here, with the people that they're connected to, that they wind up sticking around. Hmm. Oh, that's so and I hear about this all the time. Sometimes when in a session, somebody says, oh, I want to connect with my mom. And that mom figure is immediately right there with all kinds of information and all, uh, good stuff, all, all the stuff that they want to hear. And other times when I go to, to reach out to that spirit, they might not want to talk. That's their free will. I can see them there, but they're not talking. Okay, that's a choice. And other times when I look for them, I can't see them at all. It's like there's nothing there. It's a blank screen. When you are looking at them, they're just like this shadow? Well, if there's anything at all. And and again, I go into it with no expectations. I ask somebody to say the name and hopefully the birthday of the people that they want to connect with. And if there is a connection available, I'll get it right away. And if there is no connection available, which does happen, is I just have to tell them, I'm sorry, I'm just not picking anything up from that person. Hmm. And like with your mom, you just wouldn't, if someone was reading you, they just wouldn't get anything from her. No. And I've had readings since she died and no one's picked her up. Everybody picks up my dad. Huh. That's just the nature of that spirit, right? And she didn't want to participate. And really, you know, when you think about it, that's totally her. She was very secretive. She was closed off. She had real problems with communicating. So why would she now be chatty with me? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. So wherever she is, I trust that, you know, her soul is alive and well. Maybe she is in a recovery room somewhere dealing with, you know, what she did learn here. And that's okay with me. No judgment. I'll be surprised if she shows up, but, you know, maybe she'll come through when I have a reading with somebody else. Right. What about suicide? How do you view that? So that's a very interesting topic. I get a lot of, actually, unfortunately, uh, clients who have had suicide in their families. And, of course, they're in deep states of shock and grief, and they want to know that their person is okay, and they want more information. And of the souls that I've tapped into who took their own lives, there's been very few souls that did not want to communicate with me. And it's like this very introspective kind of a, well, here's what I learned. I don't usually pick up a lot of regrets from the 
the souls that have died that way, many of them choose to hang around their families and loved ones. Hmm. But do you I don't feel like as, they're... Now, my mother, as a Catholic, would have seen that as a mortal sin. I don't think of it as any such way. I just see it as a soul that was exercising its free will. But I would say in 18 years, most of the souls who had died by suicide are ready and willing to communicate in some way. Mm-hmm. And need a lot more. They need to come back and keep growing their soul. Like they're... Yeah. They didn't have that, didn't have their, that time here to do that. So they cut it short. Yes. Many of them felt as though they had no voice or no power, no control in their life. They felt directionless or purposeless. And so their only act of power or control in their life was to end their life. It didn't mean they were a bad person, but obviously that act created learning situations for everyone who knew them. Right. And then the thing that's really common after all death, but mostly suicide, at least one person, usually more, is prompted to explore spirituality or their own relationship with God or their own soul. The suicide event is such a major shock that people wind up often turning their lives in a 180 afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that. For sure. So so I don't really see it as good or bad, but uh, it's a very interesting vibration to connect with a soul who has chosen to end their life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think the topic of time, when I've done so much, read so much and listened to many things on how we view time versus what time really means in the biggest picture, will you describe, I love hearing your how you describe time on this planet, time in this body. Oh, okay. So, you know, I think the biggest um, representation of that I got when I was out of my body and that near-death experience and how when I was with those angelic beings, I was basically um, kind of surfing through eternity. I felt like we could go anywhere. There was no time. It was as though, um, well, there was a lot of rainbow light where they took me. So it was like um, light filtering through prisms. And that as we stepped into the colors, we were going into other times. It, It was very fluid. There was nothing set in stone. And so when we're here on earth, that's, it's the opposite of that. So I got a little glimpse of what it's like to exist with no time at all. To someone who's passed over, the, it's all one day. There is no day, night, years, months. It's all the same day. Huh. It's always, it's a moment. That's why everyone says like, live in the moment, live in the present. Living yes, the now. That's all there is. Yes, because that's, that's all we have. That exists. Right. And, and when we're on the other side, we get that. When we're in a human body, of course, we have the aging process, the passage of time, deadlines, ego stuff. So we tend to see it in a different way. When we're in spirit form, it is just so magnificent how it all blends together. Right. And when you dream, do you feel like your body's sleeping? You're body sleeping, but do you feel like your soul is, can move and go on? 
Yes, we all do that. The general theory right now that we have is that the soul comes and goes through the back of the neck. So oftentimes when people have discomfort in the the back of the neck there at the base of the skull, it means that they've been going in and out a lot or they've been having a lot of astral travel. And more and more these days with this change on earth, people are remembering their astral travel events, which are bizarre and sometimes predictive So um, when we're traveling, I think we do it every night, we can be going to visit other versions of ourselves in other dimensions. We can be meeting people that we haven't met yet on this lifetime dimension. It's fascinating how it can work. Hmm. Do you ever write your dreams out? Are you a I do write down some dreams. The spirit tells me, well, you'll want to remember this one. I don't generally, I don't have a practice of it, but every so often something will happen and I just wake up and I know I've got to get to the keyboard and write it out because it means something more. Right. Do you believe in like signs? Like when I wake up, it'll say one, two, three, two, three, four, three, 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 five, five, five. Do you believe that those are angels saying something to you like, hello? <laughs> yes. And some, so angels are, are, are known for that. Angel communication with numbers is well known. Sometimes humans that have passed over use numbers to say, hi, I'm here. Frequently, like the time of death will be used as a repeating number. Like if somebody died at 1202, now you, every time you look at the clock, it's 1202. That's right. not a sign something's wrong. It's a sign, hi, I'm here. Remember this time? Right. And then, so yes, angels communicate with repeating numbers, 333, 444, 1111 are all common ones. The ones that are a little bit more mixed up, I would look for why is that number specific to a loved one that passed? Right. I get that. And that's like a little hello. I'm here. Mm -hmm. I always acknowledge my dad. I see one, two, three. If I see, I go running early in the morning in the dark and the owls will start hooting and... (laughs) It's, I go, okay, dad, and I'll stop and I'll start talking to him. And I just like, I know that's you. And I don't know. It's just a knowing. And I have this like, okay. And then last year, my little eight-year-old golden retriever out of nowhere passed away in the night and it's Hudson. And that morning I get up and I go do my walk with my other dog. And there was two owls. Never in my time has there been two owls, but I go, okay, there's Hudson and my dad with my dad. Is that like <laughs> I love too? that. Yes, you're looking for the signs. Right? I mean, it's just, it's comforting if anything, right? If it's true or not, but it's like, it really helps me feel like, okay, they're here with me. And they are. And, you know, so people ask, well, so is my dad reincarnated as an owl? And, and, you know, that's, that's a sweet question. And I'd love to be able to say yes, but more, it's sort of like they're sending a visual into the matrix that we live in and saying, Oh, what does owl mean to you? Well, to some people, it means wisdom and watchfulness and, you know, is not afraid of the dark. And so we have to examine, well, what symbol are they sending and how can I expand my spiritual connection through that symbol? Mm-hmm. There's a hummingbird right now outside my window. So, <laughs> so hummingbirds are very frequent uh, spiritual symbols of let's go. Come on. Something's manifesting. Let's get to it. 
I love that. I have a a little bit different than owl. So whenever we're seeing like you did with the owls, that repeating messenger, then, you know, do a little research. What does it mean to you? To some people, an owl is a harbinger of of death and and bad things. But to me, it's like, wow, not afraid of the darkness. I love that. Right. Yeah, I get that. So you can give labels to what you want. I can label that owl to whatever. It could be my dad. It could be, you know, scary. It could be empowerment because they're in the dark. Anyone can label that. It's all based on your perception and intention. You know, you can, three people can watch the same movie and then a day later you can ask them and all three will tell you different things about that movie. You all saw the same movie, but you all took different things away from it. Right. Like I, not one person, right. It was just based on the perception. Right. Just like my two sisters and I, we all had the same childhood or, you know, basically, but we all have a different story, you know, (laughs) That's, that's so true. And so no one is right or wrong. It's just, and that's, I think where compassion and empathy come in is you're willing to understand that that's that person's belief. And so that's a big part of what I do. And it's really comparable to getting onto an elevator. If I'm up on the seventh floor, but I'm talking to somebody who's on the third floor, I can't yank them up to the seventh floor right away. I've got to get in on the third floor with them and hear them and feel them. And then together we press that button to the seventh floor and we go up to a different perspective. Right. And you you always have to enter wherever that person is at that time. Right. Like with your mom, you had to be at her level to, and just stay there because she wasn't willing to move to the seventh floor. (laughs) No. And that was not her purpose. She was the best teacher for me by showing me what not to do. And a lot of old souls, this is how they get moving on their life path is being uncomfortable, seeing what they don't want to do and making choices to do the opposite. That is the gift. Yes. And everything is a gift. It truly is. And everything is magic. You're so right. I love that word. And it is. Let's normalize magic. Right. I know. Because it's every day. It is every day. And we're going to kind of end here. We're getting to the end. I wanted to do a few more things, but as you, as Suzette Smith, and who wants to empower someone on really listening to their intuition, what would be a couple tools that you would say, do this and, you know, just really tap into, you know, to lead you on those little breadcrumbs in life? Well, so I would say that anybody who's interested in learning more about their intuition already has good intuition going on. If they didn't, they would never be interested in expanding upon it. They've already got signs. They've already felt things. They just didn't trust it or they didn't have anybody encouraging them to look further into it. So, you know, I have books, resources that I can share links to. I always encourage somebody to learn more about how energy works through maybe taking a Reiki class or just getting energy work done on themselves. Clearing the energy field can open up intuition sometimes overnight and you don't need to read a book or do anything. It's just boom, there. Hmm. 
Are you a but meditator? not everyone is going to hang out their shingle and start giving readings, right? right. So um, very few ever go on to do this as a job. Mostly I'm in place to encourage them to trust their intuition because it's going to come in handy for when they're raising their kids or when they're finding their soulmate or anything like that. That's more what it's used for. Right. And you do believe there's you could have a soulmate. There's thousands of soulmates available. The thing that is very unique is a twin flame. And the distinction is not well understood. Uh, The twin flame is more like the other half of your soul in another body. Very rarely, if ever, can twin flames live under the same roof together. But um, our soulmates, there's lots of choices and those we can live with. Hmm. Interesting, because my sister has been awakened to knowing her twin flame and it's evolved over the past couple years to understanding that it is that you have this connection, this strong, like magnetic almost thing. And you just, it doesn't ever go, well, it hasn't gone anything but that, you know, but there's just such a connection that you come together and you can feel the, we're here to like together, (laughs) Oh, it's life-changing. And oftentimes there's, uh, well, usually there's some kind of challenge that prevents us from, you know, being together every single day because it would be like looking in a mirror 24-7. I mean, maybe that's okay for a little while, but eventually Mm -hmm. it falls apart because who wants to do that? Right, right. Right. And so very few people actually meet their twin flame in a lifetime. I mean, in 18 years, maybe I've talked to 10, 15 people who have ever done it. I mean, I've done over 60,000 sessions. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that was so unique. It is very unique and it is not well understood. So if you start Googling around, one website says, oh, this is a twin flame. And then you go to another website and says, no, this is a twin flame. But basically, if you meet one, it will totally turn your life around. We call it a bump contract in that you agreed to come together and kind of bump each other awake or get each other on a different path. Huh. I know what I was going to ask you. I had a friend that you did a reading for and she, you said Wayne Dyer was speaking through her. Yeah. And tell me, how does that, I mean, if I would love to have Wayne Dyer speaking through me, how does he pick that? Well, so remember all the contracts that get set up when we're still in spirit form, right? Or when we're in spirit form, we all know each other because we're all one soul, right? And so maybe one soul resonates on a certain frequency that another soul also resonates on that frequency. So the contract might be, hey, after I'm out of physical form, we'll have a great connection and I can talk to you. And that it's not just Wayne Dyer only speaks to one person and one person only, and that's the end. Wayne Dyer might be on the same frequency with a thousand people, but only one person is listening and paying attention. Okay. And how do you know it's Wayne Dyer? Well, I've been doing this for a long time. And when I'm talking to somebody and then the soul is in my face saying, hi, you remember me? And I know what Wayne Dyer looks like. So all of a sudden, I wasn't even thinking about him. He wasn't part of our conversation, but all of a sudden he was in my face. Huh. 
So I was hesitant to say that, you know, anytime a quote unquote celebrity comes in, I'm always like, Ooh, do I really want to say this? But if they keep like hounding me going, tell her, tell her, tell her I'm here. Then I say it. And that person can do whatever they want to. They can blow it off. They can take it seriously. They can hang up the phone and go, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. My job is just to bring the message. Hey, Wayne Dyer is talking through you. Oh, so amazing. And then what about, go ahead. It's fascinating. So another question is when you see names, like you called my sister's ex-husband, his name out. (laughs) And it was just, it blew her mind as she's like (laughs) out of nowhere. She said, who is this man? Right. And she thought that's my ex-husband. How do you see that? (laughs) Do you just see the letters hanging out in the, in the universe? Well, yeah. So when I'm in a reading, basically I'm wiping the chalkboard clean so that spirit can write on it. Right. And sometimes it's a visual, like a face. Sometimes it's a hand writing a word. Sometimes I feel like I get dropped into the middle of a movie set and I'm watching the actors in a scene. It can be any of those. It can be none of those. I just, uh, I don't judge it. It's like, however you want to bring it to me, I'm ready to convey the message. So when I hear a name, sometimes it sounds like it's just somebody saying a name in my ear, like they're right next to me. And other times I see it in my eyes, like it's somebody just put a sign in front of me. Hmm. Gosh, that's powerful. <laughs> that is well, just. it is, and I train myself to be open to that, right? If you go into this work and you go, it has to be like this, and spirit has to communicate with me like that, well, you're probably not going to get very much. You really have to be ready to let it all come in in whatever way is best. Right, be open to whatever. Yes, and I have found over the years, and this sounds kind of strange, but, you know, we're dealing with humans. They're creatures of emotion, not logic. And so over the years, sometimes when spirit needs to deliver a message, there will be a shock value first, like with your sister. It was a shock for me to pull that name out of nowhere. Then I had her attention, right? Right. It wasn't so much about her ex-husband, but I got her attention because of the other information that was going to come in. Ah, yes. So good. Oh my gosh. And and so that does happen. And sometimes it happens with people who need a little bit of a shakeup, you know, a little waking up. Right. Do you do a prayer before you start? How do you like clear? Do you do a meditation before you get on the phone? Not a traditional one. It kind of depends on what's going on. If it's a very busy day and I've got a lot of conversations happening, then I'll sit quietly and see like the top of my head opening and have this white light clear me all the way through and come out the soles of my feet. And then I'll usually say something like, I'm ready to receive the highest, best message for this person. And that's it. That's all it takes. Amazing. Well, you're amazing. Yeah. And it always works. I'm always ready. Um, I'm, I'm a messenger and that is my job. I, I don't really, I don't call myself a healer because I believe people heal themselves. I'm not going to heal you. I'm going right. to bring you information so you can heal yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, whatever you said to me a month ago or two months ago, it's true. I've done everything you said. I've taken the, you know, you had given me some websites to do and, okay, I'm definitely making a difference. 
Well, you're in the minority, actually. People sometimes just call because they want to commiserate and complain and such. They really don't have the intention of healing. So it's it's the minority of people who get on the homework and make changes. So um, you're in the smaller group. Um, the larger group is just looking for validation and comfort. Hmm. And just um, go you're on taking. Okay. You're taking the information and changing your life. And, and it's everybody's choice with what to do with the information. Right. It's all about the choice. We're here to make That's choices. That's right. <laughs> oh, well, lovely. Thank you. You asked some really great questions. Oh, that was so fun. Tell my listeners where they can find you, your website, right? Yes, through my website, echoesfromtheuniverse.com. And then, yeah, that's the best way to find me. And if you want to include a link on your site yes, to that. Yes, I will, for sure. It'll, it'll and then if notes. you also want to include some of the reference uh, tools that I have for working with your intuition, I'd be happy to share those with you. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you so much. But where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Well, so I'm working on a writing project and I I think basically maybe switching it up a little bit from sessions to working on some projects that feel a little more lighthearted. As you can imagine, this job is often about heavy things, difficult things, sad things. And while I can always do the get in the elevator and go up to the seventh floor, that's that's a lot of heavy lifting. So I think the next phase for me is incorporating my love of writing and humor and bringing some fun stuff to television audiences. Oh, exciting. And your writing is beautiful. I mean, I love your writing. You're funny and it's (laughs) like this sarcasm, cool word. I mean, all the vocabulary words. When I was reading your blog, it was so entertaining. I mean, total television (laughs) material. Thank you. That was all given to me. That came in a download and they just said, okay, sit down and start writing. And it all came pouring out. And uh, all I had never really written anything about those sessions down, but of course they were very dramatic. And so I remembered them and then just fleshed them out into blog posts. So more of that to come, more lighthearted, happy stuff. Yes, I get it. Oh, Suzette, this has been an absolute pleasure. So grateful. This is going to change people's lives and open their minds to what is really out there and what could be and the possibilities and that we all have choices and that life is always working for us. And just to be open and looking for the magic is what life is about. Right. That is so true. And you're beautiful to work with. You are already right on board with what my message has always been. So thank you. You made my job fun. Oh, thank you so much. We'll do this All again. Right. I'll do a part two because I have a million more questions. Okay. I'm, I'm ready anytime. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Suzette. Thank you, Ashley. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget, 
always look for the magic.